Hey there, welcome. This is Daniel M. from Beulah Alliance Church. As we open up the scriptures together, I hope this helps you know Jesus deeply and be known by him fully. Enjoy the message. Well, hello. Welcome to Beulah this weekend. Uh, if you don't know me, my name is Chris. I get to work with our youth here uh, at West Campus and across our campuses, and it is a joy. Um, before I jump into today's message, um, uh, a sh- bit of personal news to share with you as a church family. I know some of you have been asking and inquiring, and sometimes it can be an awkward question, if possible, um, but uh, Steph and I are expecting our first baby um, this summer. So I know, you know, sometimes you have that like, are they? Are they not? Do I say something? Yeah, I know you've all been there. I've been there before too. Uh, but we're very excited and thanks be to God for that. Um, if you've been with us the last number of weeks, we're in our Stand Against series, looking at putting on the full armor of God and, and looking at each individual piece and what that looks like. So if you've missed any last few weeks, I would encourage you, go back, watch online, watch on YouTube, listen to the podcast, it is really helpful. But as a little synopsis, for where we've been so far, let's just quickly run through. So week one, we looked at the schemes of the devil. We learned the devil is real and he is our enemy. He is known as the accuser, slanderer, ruler of the world, evil one, tester, serpent, the father of all lies. But through the life, the death, death and resurrection of Jesus, he has been defeated. Um, just like a wounded dictator on his way out, he is trying to take down as many as possible. So the, the Bible tells us to stand firm, to stand against him with our full armor of God, and it would be to our detriment not to know how the devil works and operates, because how do you fight if you do not know your enemy? So that was week one. Week two, we looked at the belt of truth. We learned that the truth of the matter is the battle has already been won, but it still rages on, and the truth is a person, and that is Jesus. And if you know truth, if you know Jesus, then you know how to live in truthfulness. Uh, Week three, we looked at the breastplate of righteousness. We learned that we don't have to invite the devil. Um, Often the environment we create welcomes them in. So we learned how to guard our hearts with the righteousness of Christ. Uh, Week four, we looked at shoes of the gospel of peace. The gospel peace shoes help us to stand firm and to stand against the schemes. And then last week, we looked at shield of faith, that our faith will grow in every situation of life behind the shield of faith, which extinguishes the arrows of the evil one. And today we're moving on to the next piece of armor. Uh, I want to ask you a question. Have you ever found yourself in a situation where you just hoped you would make it through? Like, like not even like it was like, it would be really good that you would just make it through. And back in 2017, uh, I came to Canada for the first time in the winter and you all lied to me. Because I thought it was just sunny and warm all the time. And then I show up in January 2017 and it's cold and it's snowing and my friends are like, it's the first time you've ever been here in winter. We should go skiing. And I was like, yeah, that'd be awesome. It's like, one problem, never been skiing before. And they're like, it's fine. We'll show you how to do it. Don't worry. And before I know it, I'm on the chairlift at Marmot Basin on my way up to the the top. I I don't know if you've ever been on uh, like a chairlift before. And then you look behind you and like the ground just like disappears. Petrified. (laughs) Petrified. This is me. Uh, This is my three posts I post on Instagram showing the world that I felt confident. And I was just on the mountain with the boys and having a good day and I was like enjoying the slopes and all those things. I was so scared Uh, and so here I am coming up and we get to the top and my friends are like just just hop off we'll go around to the side and then it will be great it'll be great. So we get to the top I managed to do the hop off part I'm like impressed by myself I hop off and they're like see you at the bottom (laughs) and they just gun it down the hill 
And so there I am, and the only thing they told me was just stick on the green trails. The green trails will be easy for you. That's easy. That's how you get down. To my naivety, I thought green trails meant like the, the, the snow was green or like something. Like, I don't know what the green trails are. Like, I'm supposed to know. Let me just tell you what the green trails are at Marmot Basin. It's the basin run to the bunny hop to the schoolhouse. Sounds delightful. It wasn't. It wasn't. Um, and, and so there I am, and I hit Basin Run. Um, and Basin Run, if you've ever been to Marble Basin before, it has like two like slightly like elevated hills. It's like it's very gentle. On the first hill, I hit air. I was like Eddie the Eagle. I was just flying. And I, I realized that if I had to stop, I didn't know how to stop. So I either had to hit snow mounds or trees. Like that was my way to stop. Like, I had no idea. And if I wasn't wearing a helmet like this, I do not know what would have become of me. Um, it was one of the scariest experiences. I was just hoping I would make it out alive. Um, I wonder if you've ever had a situation where you just hoped you would make it through. Well, today, we are talking about a slightly different helmet, um, not so much a skiing helmet, but we're talking about the helmet of salvation. Uh, and we're talking about um, just like this helmet protecting me from, 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 from potential danger as I was skiing, this helmet of salvation actually protects us from eternal disaster and danger. And that's what we're going to be talking about today. Um, so if you have your Bibles, I want to encourage you to open them up to Ephesians chapter 6. Uh, we're going to be reading again the full armor of God starting at verse 10. Um, so if you've got them as Ephesians 6 starting at verse 10. It says this, Finally, be strengthened by the Lord and his vast strength. Put on the full armor of God so that you can stand against the schemes of the devil. For our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this darkness, against evil spiritual forces in the heavens. For this reason, take up the full armor of God so you may be able to resist in the evil day and have prepared everything to take your stand. So stand, therefore, with truth like a belt around your waist, righteousness like armor on your chest, and your feet sandaled with readiness for the gospel of peace. In every situation, take up the shield of faith with which you can Extinguish the flaming arrows of the evil one. Take the helmet of salvation and the sword of the Spirit, which is the word of God. Pray at all times in the Spirit with every prayer and request and stay alert for all, with all perseverance and intercession for all the saints. And so today we're taking part 17a, the first part of verse 17, to take the helmet of salvation. And we're going to answer a few questions as we walk through today's message. We're going to look at what is the salvation Paul is talking about? Why does he use a helmet as his example? Why do we need the helmet of salvation? And then how do we put it on? And that's what we're looking at today. So before we jump in, let's pray. And uh, then we'll jump into today's message. Jesus, thank you. Thank you that uh, you give us this armor. We thank you that this armor has got God's name branded on it. That it's for us to receive and to wear that can protect and that can help us. And so today I just pray as we unpack the helmet of salvation, would you, uh, would you speak clearly to our hearts and to our minds? Um, would you either use me or would you bypass me? Um, and we just pray that today, uh, the name of Chris be forgotten and the name of Jesus be exalted. And I pray this in your name. Amen. Um, so as we start today, I, I want to be honest with you. As I was given this weekend to preach, uh, I, uh, I looked at the verse and I had a, had a bit of a struggle. I, I looked at this line, take the helmet of salvation. Uh, and I'm going to be honest, I really struggled with the word take. I grew up as a good Scottish Baptist boy, and so um, being a good Scottish Baptist boy, I knew that I received salvation, that I was freely given salvation, but the idea of taking salvation just didn't quite sit right with me. 
It felt like a child at a candy store, just like grabbing, taking, and I was like, this doesn't feel quite right. And so then I went into study mode, and I picked up my lexicon, and I picked up my Bible, and I looked at this word take. And this word take comes from the Greek word dekomai. Dekomai. It only comes up four times in the entire New Testament, and dekomai means four different words, different things. It means this. It means to take. It also means to receive. It means to accept, and it also means to be granted access to. So, Take the helmet of salvation, receive the helmet of salvation, accept the helmet of salvation, and you've been granted access to the helmet of salvation. And so as you read your Bible, I want to just encourage you, you will come across words and phrases and moments that you go, I just don't quite understand this. Like, the words don't make sense to me. I'm confused by the context. I want to encourage you, don't skip over those words. Don't skip over those moments, but take them to study. Take them to study and learn and grow as you read your Bible. So the first question today is, what is the salvation that Paul is talking about? In, the, in the, the church history, salvation has been seen in three tenses, past, present, and future. And so past tense is a word called justification. It's this big word that gets thrown around. But the way we often understand it is the gospel. It's the gospel. It's the moment in which Jesus died and rose again and defeated death for us. Now, the gospel is sometimes explained quite confusingly. I don't know if you've ever had a conversation with somebody who is asking you, like, what is your faith or what is the gospel or what is it? And you kind of splurt out this thing, like you mouth vomit words, and you just hope that they understood something of what you said. And they look at you like deer in the headlights, being like, I don't know what you just said. That was a lot of words. It was very weird. Uh, I want to hopefully explain to you very clearly today what the gospel is. So as we talk about salvation, you need to know what past is, justification, the gospel. This is the gospel. God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. This is the simplicity of the gospel. God loves you, and he wants a relationship with you. That is the good news of the gospel. But with the good news comes some harder news. Because Jesus died for you, you have to die for him. It's Matthew 16. If you want to follow Jesus, be one of his disciples, you have to pick up your cross, which means you have to die to your ways, to your agenda, to your desires, and put Jesus's first. And because Jesus is king and not a governmental official, we can't rewrite the Constitution based on our feelings. This is the good news that is free for you, available for you, but if you accept Jesus as Lord and not just as Savior, you die to your own ways and you put his ways first. Now, let me speak to uh, those in the room that would say they're Christians, those who follow Jesus, have been following Jesus maybe for a little while. Sometimes we can get a little bit murky when we think of the gospel too. Sometimes we, kind of, we, we knew that, we accepted that. And on day one, we were like, yeah, I want that. That's great. I want that relationship with God. And then somewhere down the line, we got a little bit confused and we added some bits and pieces and we got a little bit, bit murky in the, in the understanding of the gospel. Uh, and, and let me just say this to you. If you're a Christian in the room, sometimes we believe because Jesus came, we're under judgment and sin. And that's not true. Jesus came to free you from judgment and sin. So when you run... If you're running, if you're running, and you're running in sin, you've sinned. We, we sung about it today, when we sin. Do you run to Jesus with your sin, or do you run away from Jesus with your sin? Because if you run to Jesus with your sin, you understand the gospel. You understand that he is for you, he's available for you, and your sin is given to him. 
If you run away from Jesus, and I've done it before, where I've sinned and I go, God, don't look at me. I'm, I'm, I, feel, I don't feel good. Don't look at me. If you run away from Jesus, you still believe you're under judgment and sin. And you're not. You're not. See, the good news is that we run to Jesus. Remember Adam and Eve in the garden? Adam and Eve in the garden, they, they, they sinned and they went and tried to hide themselves. They felt shameful, right? They, they clothed themselves and they didn't want God to see them. And sometimes we do that. God, you're so holy, so righteous, so good, so, so merciful, all these amazing things. And I, I suck. Like, I, I've got this sin and I've got this hardship and I've got these problems and I've got these things. And, and, and you probably don't want to look at me, so I'll go try and clean myself up some way to then maybe present myself to you and enjoy your presence. And my friends, that is not good news. That is not good news. The good news is this, that in the life, the death, and the resurrection of Jesus, you can be made positionally right with God through accepting him as Lord. That is the good news, which is free and available for you today. That is salvation. So we have past salvation. That's justification. Then we have present. Present salvation is this word that we throw in the church sometimes called sanctification. It's like kind of like big like murky word, and sometimes we go, I don't understand it. Sanctification simply means to be set apart. It means to, to, to put to death your sin with the help of the Holy Spirit. It means actually every day accepting Jesus as Lord, not just as Savior, and following him in his ways. And so we're saying no to my agenda, yes to Jesus' agenda. That is sanctification. It's an ongoing process today. And then there is future. Future sanctification. Uh, future, sorry, future salvation which is glorification. It's a word that's thrown around the church sometimes, glorification. And this is where we talk about Jesus coming back, making all things new, sin is forever defeated, the devil is defeated, we be with God in goodness and glory. It's going to be amazing. Hallelujah. Amen. That is glorification. Now, as Christians, sometimes I think we love the idea of justification. Jesus saved me. Nothing of my own accord. Amazing. We love the idea of glorification. Jesus is coming back. It's going to be so good. And we hate sanctification. I have to die to myself and my ways. I have to do that. If I follow Jesus as Lord, I have to put his agenda first. That's the tough part. But interestingly, church, the thing is, sanctification is going to lead us to where we are already going to be in glorification. So why not start now? So why not start now? And so for Paul, when he writes, put on the helmet of salvation, which is he talking about? Past, present, or future? Well, interestingly, the word salvation here, take your helmet of salvation, the word salvation is the word in Greek called soterion. Soterion. It only comes up a few times in the New Testament, and it means salvation bringing. It's a futuristic tense towards salvation. So when Paul is talking about put on your helmet of salvation, he's actually saying put on the hope of salvation that is to come in Jesus. It's the future, the future. And so I ask you, do you know what that future will look like? Do you know what that hope looks like? Do you know what it actually will be? And so what we're gonna do is we're gonna spend a little bit of time walking through some scripture that tells us exactly what that hope will look like. It's found right at the end of your Bibles in the book of Revelation. And I'd love you to turn and open, if you have a Bible with you, to open it with me. Revelation chapter 21 and 22. This is described as the hope that is to come, our hope of salvation. So I'm going to read this. I'm going to read through certain chunks, and then we're going to come back at the end and talk about what it means. So if there's some words and phrases you're like, that was weird, that's okay. But we're going to get there. 
So Revelation chapter 21, Revelation 21, starting at verse 1. This is what the future will look like. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth. For the first heaven and the first earth had passed away, and the sea was no more. I also saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down out of heaven from God, prepared like a bride adorned for her husband. Then I heard a loud voice from the throne, Luke, God's dwelling is with humanity and he will live with them. They will be his peoples and God himself will be there and be their God. He will wipe every tear away from their eyes. Death will be no more. Grief, crying, and pain will be no more because the previous things have passed away. Then the one sitting on the throne said, Luke, I am making everything new. He also said, write, because these words are faithful and true. And he said to me, it is done. I am the Alpha, the Omega, the beginning, the end. I will freely give to the thirsty from the spring of the water of life. The one who conquers will inherit these things, and I will be his God, and he will be my son. Jump down to verse 9. Then one of the seven angels who held the seven bowls with the seven last plagues came and spoke with me. Come, I will show you the bride, the wife of the Lamb. He carried me away in the spirit to a great high mountain and showed me the holy city Jerusalem coming down, of, down out of heaven from God, arrayed with God's glory. Her radiance was like a precious jewel, like a jasper stone, clear as crystal. The city had massive high walls with 12 gates. 12 angels were at the gates. The names of the 12 tribes of Israel's sons were inscribed on the gates. There were three on the east, on the north, on the south, and on the west. And the city wall had 12 foundations. And the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. Breathe. So lots to take in so far. Don't worry. We're going to come back. We're going to get there. Jump down to verse 18. Verse 18 says this. The building material of its wall was jasper. And the city was pure gold as clear glass. The foundations of the city wall were adorned with every kind of jewel. The first foundation is jasper, second is sapphire, chalcedony, emerald, sardinx, carnelian, seventh, crystallite, beryl, topaz, crystal phase, jacinth, and amethyst. I said that with confidence, so it's probably right. Uh, the 12 gates are 12 perils. Each individual gate was made of a single peril. The main street of the city was pure gold, transparent as glass. 22, verse 22. I did not see a temple in it because the Lord, the God Almighty, and the Lamb are its temple. The city does not need the sun or the moon to shine on it because the glory of God illuminates it and its lamp is the Lamb. The nations will walk by its light and the kings of the earth will bring their glory into it. Its gates will never close by day because it will never be night there. They will bring the glory and the honor of the nations into it. Nothing unclean will ever enter it, nor anyone who does what is detestable or false, but only those written in the Lamb's book of life. Chapter 22, 1 to 5, last few verses. Then he showed me the river of the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb, down the middle of the city's main street. The tree of life was on each side of the river, bearing 12 kinds of fruit, producing its fruit every month. The leaves of the tree for healing, or for healing the nations, and there'll be no longer any curse. The throne of God and the Lamb will be in the city, and His servants will worship Him. They will see His face, and His name will be on their foreheads. Night will be no more. People will, no need, will have no need for light of a lamp or the light of the sun, because the Lord God will give them light, and they will reign forever and ever. There's a lot in that passage, a lot in there. Let me just pull out a few things. And as I, as I mention these things, um, does this give you hope? There'll be no more death. 
No more mourning, no more crying. Uh, everything will be made new. The thirsty, they won't thirst anymore. Uh, the most precious things that we can imagine, uh, jewels, sapphires, gold. Did you notice the words that came after that? They were transparent as glass. They were clear as crystal. The things that we imagine with such preciousness and wealth, they're as clear as crystal because the glory of God shines through it. They literally do not compare. There'll be healing of all nations. There'll be no more curse, which means there's no more sin. And we get to reign with God forever and ever. If you have given your life to Jesus, accepted him as Lord, this is your future. This is your hope. Uh, the thing that I love is that there's a part of this um, piece of scripture, you may have missed it, um, and I, I have multiple years of reading the, the, the Bible, I've missed this, um, that really encouraged me and inspired me, is the guy who wrote this revelation, who received this revelation and wrote it down, was a guy called John. He was one of Jesus' disciples, and uh, at this moment in time, he was uh, exiled onto an island called Patmos. It was a Greek island. He was exiled there under, under the Romans' anti-Christian uh, anti persecution. They basically were sending him there to tell him to shut up, to stop talking about Jesus, and they put him on this island. And he receives this revelation, 22 chapters of this revelation, of which today we get to read and get to be encouraged of what the hope of future is because of John. And I wonder for John what it would have felt like being exiled onto an island alone. He's doing all these things for Jesus, and now he has been exiled. I probably would have felt pretty hopeless. Like, what much more can I do for you, Lord? He receives this revelation, he writes it down, and then something very special happens in chapter 21, verse 14. Did you catch it? Did you catch what it said? 21, 14. The city wall had 12 foundations, and the 12 names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb were on the foundations. Another, another way of saying that, the disciples, the apostles of the Lamb, the disciples of Jesus. See, John saw his own name. He saw his own name on the foundations of the wall. It's a moment for me where, where John is, is writing this revelation down to encourage and to inspire and to, and to speak hope and life. And then he has a moment where the Holy Spirit ministers personally to him. He sees his name, church. He sees his name on the foundations of the wall. John, John, he sees it. John, well done. John, you've done well. John, the foundations of the city wall has your name on it. John, what you've spoken and what you're writing down is going to make a difference for years and years and years to come. Good job, John. I wonder for John, like if it was me, I probably would have been able to die happy at that point. I'd have been like, wow. And I wonder for you today, maybe like John, you feel stuck or you feel isolated. Uh, maybe you feel alone. And the Holy Spirit wants to minister to you today just like he did John. He wants to speak to you today and remind you there is hope for the future secure in Jesus. Amen? So, if this is the hope, when Paul says the helmet of salvation is future hope, this is the hope, why does he use a helmet? Like, what a weird piece of armor to use a helmet. Like a helmet? Like, what's that about? Well, if you see on the screen here, there is a picture of the Roman helmet. Uh, and the Roman helmet had these uh, red like feathers on the head. 
And uh, do we have a picture? Nope. Okay, we'll get to the picture in a little bit. We've got a picture of the helmet. Um, and the helmet was called a galea. And the galea's purpose was to protect and to identify. You can see it here. Here it is. Beautiful piece of armor and very flamboyant. Um, wow, the Romans, they love to look good, right? Um, and so when they went into battle, this protected their heads and it also identified them. So when you were in war, someone would look at you and go, that's one of my dudes. Okay, protect them, fight for them. That's what happened. Um, and this is the helmet, protection and identification. And the reason today I started talking about salvation before I started talking about the helmet is because sometimes we might be confused by salvation before we get to the helmet. We think the helmet's a really weird thing to talk about when we're trying to compare it to salvation. Because I don't know about you, but, but for me, for most of my life, I assumed that the salvation that Paul was talking about was past. It was when Jesus saved me. It was when I put on my helmet of salvation and I started walking around being like, I've been saved by Jesus. And that's what I thought it was. And sometimes we can get stuck there where we think that's all it is and we just put on the helmet. We say, someone says, do you want to say yes to Jesus? And you're like, yes. And you put on the helmet and then you start walking around and you start running around and all of a sudden arrows start hitting you and start smacking you and you get lies spoken to you and, you, and you're like, God, where are you? I can't even imagine, like, what, God, what's going on? And God's like, would you please put on the full armor of God appropriately to how I've designed it because you're just walking around in the battlefield like a spiritual streaker. All you're wearing is a helmet. How's this helmet going to help you? But the helmet that Paul talks about here is for protection and identification. So, what helmet do you wear? Um, maybe you've seen some of these things hanging in here and you're like, what's going on with all this stuff? Um, if you know what this is, this is a hockey goalie mask. If you don't know what it is, shame on you. I'm foreign and I do. Um, <laughs> So this is a hockey goalie mask, um, and this is worn by the goalie on a team. And so if they're on the team, you've got a couple D, you've got a couple forwards, you've got a goalie. And the goalie's mask looks very different to the rest of the team. Um, nowadays, the, in the NHL, they're very flamboyant, again, with their masks. Uh, maybe they're getting some tips from the Romans, I don't know. Uh, and, they, and they design them with, like, different words and painting, and it all looks very pretty. And they all kind of compete with each other. Who has the nicest mask? Like, what a weird thing for, I don't know, I just imagine hockey goalies are this the bravest guys ever, and they're like, do you like my painting mask? Um, and so you have this mask. And I think sometimes when we think of salvation, we think like a hockey goalie mask where we've been given salvation and we start to add little bits and pieces to our mask. We start to add if, buts, and maybes. We start to add Jesus and something to be saved. And maybe today, even as I've been speaking, you're going, I've been adding things to, to, to what it means to be saved. Like, when I sin, I actually run away from Jesus. I don't come to Jesus. I don't think he wants to see me. What do you maybe add to your mask? Maybe you saw this helmet. This is an ARP war helmet. Who knows what these are? Okay, some older people, younger people, get educated. This is an ARP. It's the air raid precautionaries. They were established as in the prelude to World War II so that when the enemy would fly over and drop bombs, um, ARP wardens would wear this helmet and help people get to safety. And so what would happen if you had this helmet? You were a volunteer. You were like a normal person and you'd be wearing normal clothes, but you'd wear the helmet and people would be like, 
that's an ARP warden, and they would help me out. And so what would happen is they would signal the alarm. They would like, like the alarm would go if the bombs were coming. They would also um, help people to get to safe places. They may help even people whose houses have been bombed to get them out of the houses and to get to safe places. That's what the ARP was about. They would help people as there was artillery attack on their heads. I think you and I today have friends and family who want to know about the salvation of Jesus and what's for them. And sometimes we keep adding so many things on and all we have to do is say, let me lead you to a safe place. Let me lead you to Jesus who just like these people would have led people to, to safety from artillery attack, we're saying, well, let me lead you to Jesus who can actually protect you from spiritual artillery attack on your head. And maybe today you have to ask yourself, am I wearing the ARP helmet or am I wearing the goalie mask when I think of my helmet of salvation? And the reason, the reason why the helmet is so important is very obvious, because it protects our head. Duh. It obviously protects our head. And maybe you're thinking, um, is it because like my head is where my brain is or where my thoughts are or my thinking? Yes, but it's not fully that. See, in the Bible, the head is not just merely our brain or our thoughts or our thinking, but it's actually the source of life. You look through the Bible, in Matthew chapter 19, there's blessing, and blessing is put with hands on someone's head. In Genesis chapter 49, curses are put on someone's head. In Genesis 3, the prophetic image of Jesus stomping the devil's head, the snake's head, that prophetic image is not saying Jesus just got in Satan's head a little bit. He just annoyed him a little bit. It's saying he crushed his head. See, your head signifies the whole being. So to recap, Paul is talking about the hope of salvation, futuristic, which is a picture we read from Revelation 21 and 22. That one day Jesus will finish what he started and that Paul uses a helmet to help us understand this hope because helmets protect us and they identify us. And just as helmets guard their head, the hope of salvation guards our entire being. So after discovering all of this, why do we need it? Why do we need the helmet? What does the helmet of salvation do for us on the daily? What's the purpose of it on the daily? Well, the first thing is the helmet reminds us that salvation has nothing to do with us and everything to do with Jesus. It is in and through and by Jesus that you are saved. Not on your own works, not on your own merits, but on what he has done for you. Uh, you may be in a situation, uh, you may have a family member, uh, you may have a friend uh, who's been, who used to walk really closely with Jesus together. Both of you, uh, maybe you're part of a small group together, you came to church together, you raised your kids together, um, and at this season of life, they don't seem to be walking with Jesus. And sometimes that leads you in a place of like fear, maybe, a place of, of doubt. Um, but what Jesus says in both John 6 and John 10 is very interesting about those who have confessed him as Lord, those who have said yes to Jesus, what he says about them. It says this in John 6, 37 to 40. Everyone the Father gives me will come to me, and the one who comes to me I will never cast out. For I have come down from heaven not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of him who sent me, that I should lose none of those he has given me, but I will raise them up on the last day. If you've given your life to Jesus, he will never let you go. 
He will never let you go. John 10, 27 to 30, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they will never perish. No one will snatch them out of my hand. My Father who has given them to me is greater than all. No one is able to snatch them out of my Father's hand and I and the Father are one. No one can snatch you out of Jesus' hands. No one. Sometimes we get the cynical question that comes into our heads. Or maybe we get asked it. Were they ever saved? Did they ever actually fully accept Jesus as Lord if they're not currently walking with him? Do you know what's wonderful about that question? We don't have to answer it. That is not for you to answer. That's not for me to answer. And that's actually not for us to say. That is all on him. He knows all, he is greater than all, and he knows. We can know for certainty that if we have said yes to Jesus, he never lets us go. He holds us in his hands. Nothing can snatch us from him. Secondly, the helmet of salvation protects us spiritually from the lies from the devil and the lies from ourselves. Without the helmet, we leave ourselves exposed in the spiritual battlefields. Um, Let me ask you a question. Um, Who's the preacher you listen to most? Who's the person you listen to most? Um, I'll tell you, it's not Daniel Lynn. Um, it is not your favorite podcaster. It's not your favorite author. It's not your favorite like social media influencer. The person you listen to most is yourself. The preacher you listen to most is yourself. So are you preaching truth to yourself or are you preaching heresy? Could the Holy Spirit amen the things you say about yourself? Could he? If the Holy Spirit can't amen the things that you say about yourself, unsubscribe from your own sermons. Seriously, unsubscribe from your own sermons and go back to the Bible and read again about who he says you are, who he is, and what is our hope. Thirdly, the helmet identifies us as the victorious ones. We put on the helmet, which shows us that we're with Jesus and we're victorious. Which means anytime the devil rears his head, schemes come our way, lies come our way, we wear the helmet and we go, you lose. I am victorious in Christ. You're identified as the victorious ones. And finally, the helmet reminds us that we have a role to play today in sharing hope with others. Sometimes I come across people who um, said yes to Jesus and then they just like locked themselves away in the hope that he would just come back one day and take them home. He said yes to Jesus and I just folded my arms and I waited. That's not what we're told to do. We're told to put on the helmet of salvation like an ARP warden showing people there is hope for their future. There is hope for their life. That life will be better with Jesus. If you know Jesus, if you've experienced the love of God, share it with others. This hope is not for you to hold to yourself, but is to give away freely. The future is God's and it is hopeful. So in today's terms, what is Paul saying about the helmet of salvation? What is he saying about literally putting on the helmet of salvation? Well, he's actually talking about this final thing on my stand here. Hope. Hope. He is literally saying, put hope on every single day like a hat and wear it for others to see. Put on your helmet of salvation, which is the hope of your future in Jesus. 
a hope that's already been won, that's already been told of, that we can be aware of and that we can walk into. Put on hope like a hat. The helmet of salvation is the absolute confidence in the saving, keeping power of God's sovereign grace. If you've said yes to Jesus, let me tell you some, some promises over your life. You have a calling that cannot be revoked. You have an inheritance that cannot be defiled. You have a foundation that cannot be shaken. You have a seal that cannot be broken. And you have a life that cannot perish. That is the hope of the helmet of salvation which you can wear today. So finally, how do we put this on? How do we put this on every single day? What does that look like? Well, the devil wants to keep us trapped. He wants to tell us lies. That's his, that's his native tongue, his lies. So if you want to counteract lies, take truth and read truth and engulf truth. If you're a follower of Jesus and you don't read this book, it's going to be a struggle. Read truth. Read God's word. Pray. We're going to be talking about that in a couple of weeks. What does it look like to pray in all circumstances? Pray. Cover yourself and your family and others in prayer. Spend time with Jesus in prayer. Spend time around people who wear helmets like this who point you in hope towards the salvation that is to come. Spend time with those people and be that person for someone. Be that person for someone. Salvation was won by Jesus. Well, fortunately, I just had to wear this hat, so. Uh, do you know what? It's been three services and that hasn't happened and I was waiting for it. <laughs> Sorry to my father-in-law who that's his army helmet. But it protects you from shrapnel, so I think it's fine on the stage. Let me say that again. Salvation was won by Jesus, is given by Jesus, is maintained by Jesus, and will be completed by Jesus. Church, know this. Salvation is not your burden to carry. You don't have to add your things to it, but it's your delight to wear. It's your delight to wear today. So would you stand with me? Would you stand with me? Um, today, you may have heard the gospel in a way that you haven't heard it before. Like, it may have sounded different or, or, or been fresh in a new way. I gave my life to Jesus when I was four years old. I came to my parents, I, 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 I came down the stairs at night, I was meant to be sleeping and I wasn't. And I came down the stairs and I said, mom and dad, I want what you have. And they said, money? And I said, no, I want this thing that you have. There's something in your life that you have that's attractive to me, and I want it. At four years old, I knew there was something. And they said, this is Jesus. And I prayed with them to accept Jesus. But it was 10 years later, I was 14 years old, I was at a summer camp, and this 19-year-old dude got up to speak, and he talked about the gospel, and he said it in a way that I'd never encountered before. I'd heard the gospel multiple times, multiple times in my life, and I heard it on that day, and I went, I get it. God loves me and he wants a relationship with me. And if I accept it, I die to myself and I follow Jesus. And I want that because I want that hope. I want that hope that's to come. Today, maybe for some of you, you've heard that for the first time and you're like, I want that. That's what I want today. So we're gonna spend a little bit of time just praying right now. I want to encourage you to close your eyes. And I'm gonna ask a few questions. And if it is you, I'd love you to raise your hand. Just, just as a bold statement to say, yes, this is me. And we're going to pray for some, some different people before we pray together communally. I want to pray for those of you today who are like, yes, I want Jesus. 
I want this relationship with God. I've never asked for it before, but I want it today. If that is you, please raise your hand and I'm going to pray for you. that is you today. I want Jesus. I want this hope of salvation in Jesus. I want a helmet that I can wear. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for those who are raising their hand to say, yes, this is what I want. I want this free gift from God that I can have life in its fullness with him. I want this, Jesus. I want this. And God, I I pray for those who have their hands raised that you would bless them richly. Would they know how much you love them? And if this is you, I want you just to repeat these words after me. Jesus, I give you my life. I thank you that you died for me. I thank you that you rose again, defeating death. And today I give my life to you. I want to pray for a second group of people. The second group is those who today Uh, you realize you were wearing the wrong helmet. Or maybe your helmet's been altered over the last number of years. You've added things to your helmet. When you sin, you run away from Jesus. You don't run to him. You found that hope has been really hard to come by and it's been distorted. And maybe today it was said afresh in a way that you're like, I want this hope again afresh today. I I just need to remind myself there's hope for my future. If that's you, I want to encourage you to raise your hand. There's hope for my future today. Let me pray for you. Jesus, thank you for those who have raised their hand, who want a a reassurance again today of their hope. God, I pray that you would seal in their hearts and in their minds what has been spoken today. I pray these scriptures that we've been reading would be sealed in their minds and their hearts, that they will treasure them. They know today that their hope is secure in you. And Jesus, for all of us, would we know again today that our salvation is nothing on our own merit. It's all on everything you've done. It changed our past, it impacts our present, and it's for our future. And it is hopeful. In your name, amen. We're going to finish this session together by praying a communal prayer together. A prayer for the helmet of your salvation. A prayer that you can pray to say, I want to I pray on my helmet of salvation. It's going to come up on the screen behind me, uh, and we're going to pray this together. Uh, and as we, do, um, uh, as we do, I want to just encourage you to know again that you can pray this on every single day, that I can put on my helmet my hope of salvation, because Jesus is for me, and Jesus has already won the victory. So we're going to pray this together, and pray along with me. Heavenly Father, salvation comes through you alone. Please give me the assurance again today that I am your child. And show me afresh your great love for me. In this broken and dying world, remind me of your eternal promises. Help me to renew my mind. Purge any thoughts that are not holy or not true. And equip me for the battlefield of today. Give me wisdom for the doubts that may cloud my mind. And protect me from the lies of the enemy and the lies from myself. I love you, Lord, and I'm trusting you today, tomorrow, and always. Amen. Let's worship together. Thanks for listening, and thank you for giving. Your giving makes this podcast possible and helps us share this message with others. If today's message made you realize that you need to take your next step with Jesus, we'd love to help you with that. 
The easiest way to do that is by going to beulah.family on your browser. On that page, you'll find our social media links, links to upcoming events, and a link to give. And don't forget to subscribe and share this podcast. We'll see you soon.